0: Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger. And as always, we have another amazing guest, Flavio Labato. He is a co-founder and principal at ECOV Capital. Welcome to the show, Flavio. Hey,
1: Brian. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
0: Hey, I'm excited to talk to you because a couple of different things. You've been in this space for a little bit of time and this new model around venture development rather than kind of venture capital, I really wanted to dig in on this particular episode. Maybe for the audience, let's start with a little bit about your background and a little bit about uh, Ecove Capital.
1: I'm originally from Brazil. I've been in the States for 35 plus years. Really began my career in investment management, investment banking back in, in the 90s after business school, worked in places like Goldman Sachs, Credit Suisse. And then really my career focused quite heavily on alternative investments and hedge funds launched a very successful alternative investment shop in Switzerland called Swiss Capital Group. It was a part of a very sizable fund of hedge funds called Liongate Capital that eventually sold to a large insurance company. And really, after 25 plus years in both traditional and alternative spaces, me and my partner Rodolfo Belezi and John D'Arazio, Dr. Rob Lee and David Moritz, we decided to put together Eco Capital to take advantage of what's happening in technology commercialization and, and venture as a whole.
0: Excellent. And my understanding is you're four or five years old. You've probably invested in 14 startups in the STEM, MedTech, AgriTech vertical, and you're based in the Midwest where we are as well. I wanted to talk right. a little bit about investing in particular markets like the Midwest is different. Obviously, investing in particular right. markets like MedTech or AgTech and that are, are different. So what are some of the things that you're seeing that set you apart and set the ecosystem apart in the Midwest versus some of the tech hubs?
1: What we do is we actually go directly to the source of innovation, and we partner with research institutions like Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, where we identify and vet technology that's been in development through their research programs. And once we identify a technology that we really like and vet and go through that process, we go out and build teams around that technology and spin them off as independent companies. What's unique about what we do is that we identified and we saw that about 25% of the U.S. research budget, which is about $70 billion, is invested each year through universities to fund their R&D. But very little of that, less than 1% of that amount, is actually invested in commercialization of these technologies. At the same time, the venture industry, which originally started as a way of commercializing West. Coast technology with East Coast funding has now shifted and has grown to such a place where primarily a lot of that funding is going towards late, late stage. Ten years ago, 1% of all the deal flows were called unicorns, and about 1% of the dollar amounts were invested in so-called unicorns. Fast forward to this year, still, the number of deals are still around the 1 to 2% but now the same deals are taking close to 30% of all the money invested in venture, right? Mm-hmm. So that money is going to the Ubers, to the Lyfts, to the WeWorks of the world. And at the same time, since 2014, early stage deals, meaning pre-Series A, have been cut in half, okay? So you have this ecosystem of concept stage technologies, right, which in the past, a lot of, VCs come in and and vet these technologies and then bring it to market, and nowadays that's just not happening, right? So we really have built a bridge between lab and market, between university concept research, right, with the right infrastructure, funding, and teams to spin these technologies off as independent and successful startup companies.
0: Let's unpack that a little bit. So, Obviously, tech transfer sometimes gets a bad rap or Mm -hmm. you have professors and that that come up with great ideas. But like you said, it's very difficult to take those ideas sometimes and commercialize them. Uh, Oftentimes, professors who are great at research aren't necessarily the best of founders or or don't necessarily want to even start a company. So what's the secret sauce of how you approach finding that right match and helping a professor or a, a research team understand what it takes to commercialize that?
1: Yeah, you hit the nail in the head. I mean, in most cases, the researcher stays at doing what they love, which is to develop life-changing research, right? And we bring the business aspect to that. In the majority of the situations, there's a very clear division of roles where the researcher does not have a C-level position. And we actually go in and to our network, recruit, and bring teams that are going to run the day-to-day operations of the company.
0: Supported
1: by our global relationships and global network of investors to take it to market. We have within our venture development methodology basically five key characteristics of what we do. First, I mentioned we go directly to the source of innovation. You know, we go and scout the labs and we get to know the researchers and we see what's happening from a bottom up perspective. You know, no intermediaries, we do that ourselves. We also focus on where very few people are looking. So we stay away from the coast. We stay away from Boston, New York, San Francisco, and started Eco, like you mentioned, in the Midwest. Why? For many reasons. First reason, the number one economic region in the country. Right. Second point, it receives about 25 to 30% of that $70 billion in basic research, but receives less than 3 to 4% of all venture dollars that commercialization gap is greatly exacerbated in the midwest and that's exactly where we want it to be we have now since expanded you know the nursery and i'm actually speaking out of south florida i'm here in miami and we're growing the nursery into regions that are similar to the midwest in terms of a lot of R&D dollars but little VC type of involvement very important that we are founders we're coming in at the founder cap table of each of the companies that we get involved with right before eco was involved you know you had a great technology and that was it right we build the entire team we build the entire infrastructure we bring in the funding to take that technology to market fourth would be we invest in painkillers not vitamins yep Meaning, we're not investing in apps, we're investing in deep tech, stuff that can really change the world and backed by very significant IP. And then number five is we build to sell. It does not necessarily mean that we won't have a company that will go all the way to an IPO, but just understanding the exit dynamics where 95% plus of the exits are M&A driven, a lot of the technologies that we're building, we're building with an idea of who the potential acquirers would be. Right. So these are the main tenants that we built around our process.
0: I want to talk a little bit more about that last point you have as far as talking exits and trying to identify investment opportunities and that where you find a home for them down the line. And a lot of that, I would imagine, means finding the right corporate partners or existing larger companies that are looking to innovate and looking for ways to stay relevant in that. So what are some of the things that you do to help your startup or new companies manage that process of going from a brand new idea, getting traction, building the market, and then finding that right corporate partner to either partner with and or eventually exit to?
1: That's a great question. Each company has its own path, but I would say a great example is one of our companies in the portfolio is a company called Nicola Labs. It's a Columbus-based wireless power company. It's really interesting when basically the core technology, it captures RF and converts that into direct current, right? So the initial go-to-market was actually we developed a iPhone 6 phone case, did self-harvesting of the wasted energy, RF energy of the iPhone, and plugged that into the battery and extended battery life. Okay, We launched that at Disrupt New York. You know, the company won the People's Choice immediately got huge exposure, you know, around the world. But then we saw that at the end of the day, we didn't want to be a phone case company and that the technology could be a lot bigger than that. So we shifted the business, you know, and we really saw the advent of IoT where you're going to have these billions plus devices and sensors that are going to need to be powered, not through the traditional way but wirelessly, and in most cases, batteries don't do the trick because a lot of these sensors are going to be embedded in walls and in hard-to-reach places. Right. So we shifted the business towards really being the cornerstone towards powering the IoT revolution, and within that, we've identified industry as the way to go, specifically preventive maintenance. So we built a business around preventive maintenance, and today Nikola is growing very, very fast with Fortune 500, Fortune 100 clients. We also developed part of the technology, especially when we miniaturize the tech from the back of an iPhone 6 into a chip. We work closely with TI and Skyworks. If you really think about where Nikola stands today, it's a startup company, but the clients are all giants. We're talking significant, massive companies. And we also have our technical, let's say, partners in the development of our chip, as again, very significant companies. Any of these companies could acquire Nicola, right? right? So it's really, when I say this, is that structuring the business in such a way where you can have multiple conversations. And then when the time is right, you can go and potentially exit. I mean, right. Nikola is actually one that I feel that could actually go all the way, and the structure of the business is such that my belief is that this company will be an unicorn over the next three years. It really is just exciting to see the type of evolution of really taking a technology that was sitting in the lab at Ohio State, you know, at the Electroscience Labs, and really build out a business that has the potential of becoming a very significant company down the road.
0: The last core topic I want to talk about is this idea of talent and as right. a investor you're constantly trying to you know identify talent not only at the core research level and that but then you got to go out and and network and find entrepreneurs and founders that want to take that and commercialize that and then you got to find the talent on the corporate side or the commercialization side what are some of the things that you've learned over your 30 years of doing this as far as what makes an innovator an innovator, and what are some of the core traits and talents that really make people stand out in this space?
1: Yeah, it was a great question. And really, the way we look at this is the following, right? You can have the best technology, and without the right team, that technology will fail. You can have so-so technology and, and the right team, that team will find a way of making that technology successful. So, we have a natural let's say bandwidth constraint within what we do and that is to identify the talent that we want to bring in to really scale these different companies but what's interesting is that and you know and so far that bandwidth has been really launching four to six companies a year and to do it right which is a lot but I'll give you a great example. We have one of our portfolio companies is a, a emotional AI company called Cognovi Labs. And Cognovi Labs, you know, the CEO is, is a guy called Benny Gradwell. Benny is you know, a PhD in astrophysics, had been a very successful hedge fund manager in his early career, then worked at one of the largest investment banks as product development. And then during the financial crisis, was staffed to go and help CD Unwind their massive mortgage portfolio. Spent six years doing that. After he became one of the leading voices in AI and emotional intelligence, and we were lucky enough to get introduced to Benny through one of our partners and, and network. And now he's running Cognovi Labs. Huh. That's the caliber, and, and his COO Jim Levitz worked closely with Benny at City and ran groups with thousands of people. So the kind of entrepreneur and the kind of people that we're attracting and we're you know, bringing to run these businesses are people that have done it before, have had a lot of success, and are really interested in this particular vertical and basically love the idea of doing this with the support that someone like Eagle can provide and having the whole infrastructure in place and allowing that core team to focus on scaling and growing the business.
0: Well, it's fascinating stuff, and I love the fact that you're doing it in in places outside the core technology hubs that we talk about all the time and you know sure. innovation is really everywhere and I appreciate you sharing those stories and helping our audience understand how to do that more effectively if people want to find out more about ecove or yourself, what's the best way to do that
1: ecove dot com is our website, and my Twitter handle is at Flavio Lobato so feel free to reach out. We'd love to talk about this stuff and we're just getting started. If there's anything that makes sense, please reach out and let's see what we can do together.
0: Well, Flavio, thank you again for being on Inside Outside Innovation. Look forward to continuing the conversation.
1: Thank you, Brian. Thank you for your time.
0: That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out insideoutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or at Ardinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.